Pittsburgh Giants fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View. You know, one of the biggest questions about the New York Giants season, if and when that season gets started due to the COVID-19 pandemic, is of course the, the offensive line. General Manager Dave Gettleman used three draft picks on offensive linemen in the past draft. He also signed veteran swing tackle Cameron Fleming in what he called an effort to fix the offensive line once and for all. What we're going to have to find out during the 2020 season is if Gettleman and the Giants have made strides in that direction. This really is version 3.0 of Gettleman's offensive line rebuild. He walked in the door at the end of the 2017 season saying that uh, that he needed to fix that offensive line for the Giants to be successful going forward. Was really unable to do that in 2018. Made some strides last year in doing so. But still, a lot of work was left to be done. Obviously, this year with the, the drafting in the first round of Andrew Thomas, third round of Matt Pert, fifth round of Shane Lemieux. The Giants made a concerted effort to to get some long-term answers into that offensive line, particularly the drafting of Thomas, fourth overall, who was one of four offensive tackles considered to be top 10, top 15 worthy picks, ended up as the first offensive tackle off the board so, you know, what what we've done here today, Giants fans, is I had a chance to speak with longtime NFL offensive line coach Paul Alexander, who spent, you know, close to 30 years in the NFL, 23 of those as offensive line coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, had an opportunity to talk to, to Coach Alexander about the Giants offensive line We'll play that interview here for you in just a minute. Uh, you'll be interested. Coach Alexander had a lot of good things to say about Andrew Thomas, about Matt Pert, about Shane Lemieux, and about the the talent that the Giants have collected on the offensive line overall. Also, before I go any farther, just wanted to point out that it just so happens that today at Big Blue View, as we're going through our series of, of roster profiles for the Giants. Today happens to be the day that we uh, that we focused on Andrew Thomas. So please take time to to visit the website and, and give that story a read. Also, uh, you know, as always, please subscribe to Big Blue View on all of your favorite podcast applications. Join the community if you uh, if you haven't already done so. Follow us on Twitter at Big Blue View. All right. Giants fans, let's play that interview now uh, that I did with uh, with former NFL offensive line coach Paul Alexander. All right, Giants fans, I'm joined now by longtime NFL offensive line coach Paul Alexander, who spent uh, 24 years, I believe, with the uh, with the Cincinnati Bengals. Paul, thank you very, very much for for coming on. And uh, you know, why don't you go ahead and and fill people in uh, on your background? Sure. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I started out at Penn State coaching for Joe Paterno as a graduate assistant. I went to Michigan with Bo Schembechler as a graduate assistant. And I, my line coaching job, first one full-time, was at Central Michigan, where I coached in college over that time period for 10 years. And then I was in the New York Jets. I was at the Big Apple for two years as a tight end coach and uh, went to the Bengals, as you say. Uh, it was 23 years as a line coach there. And then I finished up one year with the Dallas Cowboys. So I coached close to 30 years in the NFL. And, uh, oh, probably the greatest uh, enjoyment out of that is uh, uh, I was able to coach 15 guys that were either uh, pro bowlers or first alternates to the pro bowl. So I was around some really great offensive linemen uh, in over my time. You know, tw 23 years in one place as an NFL assistant is pretty much unheard of. So uh, that's that's a pretty cool accomplishment uh, in, in and of itself. Yeah, it's probably because we're good players and we're pretty good. <laughs> I don't well, that, we well, suck. I know that. Well, <laughs> well, that that does help. You know, Paul, I I reached out to you to uh, to talk about the uh, the Giants and, and their offensive line. Uh, you know, obviously that has been, you know, a focus for the Giants the last couple of years, ever since Dave Gettleman took over. Um, he's been trying to, to rebuild that group. Uh, you know, he's brought in Nate Solder. He brought in Kevin Zeitler this year. He, he drafted a couple of offensive linemen. Um, let me actually start you know, kind of going through the Giants personnel. Maybe the guy that, that just having been in in Cincinnati you know maybe the guy that 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 you might know best you know just just from having seen for a while is Kevin is Kevin Zeitler um I'm curious for your thoughts on uh on Zeitler and, and what kind of player he is yeah yeah before before I talk about that let me tell you a little quick story um Scott Williams Scott Williams and I went to college together at Cortland you know New York and and Scott is a writer for NCIS right Scott happens to be one of the biggest Giants fans alive so for the last 30 years he's been texting me what do we need to do on the offensive line and well I talked to him today and I looked at the roster and I said Scott I gotta tell you on paper it's the best-looking line that I remember for the Giants in quite a while. So uh, uh, we'll talk about these guys, and uh, uh, I do think the future is bright. Now, I'm I'm typically totally honest. If I thought they sucked, I'd tell you they sucked, right? But I'm optimistic about the quality of the line. So let's talk about Kevin Zeitler. Kevin Zeitler, we drafted in the first round. Kevin Zeitler should be a Pro Bowl player. Uh, he plays at an elite level. He's big, strong, tough, dedicated, very productive, excellent technician, uh, very dependable. When I went to work out Kevin Zeitler at Wisconsin, uh, they were on spring break, and Kevin uh, said, yeah, meet me in the parking lot at such and such time. So I did, and shoot, he was there to unlock the gate, he had all the equipment set up, he had the film room open. Now, no players ever do that. All right. If that's the type of guy this guy is. He is a team leader that you want. And I'm going to be honest with you. When we let him go at the Bengals, which I was furious about, uh, that hurt us. And it hurt Cleveland when he left there. And uh, to me, I thought there was a great pickup by the Giants. 
how how would how in the world is it how in the world is it that that he's gone through what an eight nine year career at this point and never made a Pro Bowl, never been an All Pro? I I I I can't I can't figure that one out. Uh, well, it has to do with the record of the team you're on. You know, he was starting to get some. Uh, now he signed the biggest contract of any guard in the history of the league when he left us. So obviously he got uh, uh, the respect of the. Uh, the George Washingtons and uh, Alexander Hamiltons, et cetera. Uh, so he did get that respect. But uh, I think at Cleveland, if they'd won more and kept him, and of course the Giants, uh, uh, you know, they've lost more games than any team in the league, I think, the last three years. So that doesn't help. And he's the kind of guy, I mean, I've, he's a, I've been around him a little bit. Incredibly serious guy. Um, I think I've seen stories where his wife says he'll, you know, he'll work on his pass sets when he's standing in an airport waiting in line. Um, just incredibly serious about his craft from what I understand. Unbelievable work ethic. In fact, on Fridays, on Fridays, you do a walkthrough and he would always pick some tough young rookie to go against him in the walkthrough and all 20 guys on the offense and defense are walking through. And Zeitler and the guy he's going against during the walkthrough are going full speed. And when I mean full speed, full speed. So everyone's walking and he's driving his guy on top of them. And <laughs> there's always a mess, you know. Uh, and, but, I mean, you got to love it. He was always yeah. the first one in the weight room every morning, uh, hardest worker. He's the type of guy that you, you build a championship around. And, uh, uh you know, he's a winner. And, you know, somebody else on that offensive line who's done a lot of winning during his career, uh, but who's caught a lot of flack the last couple seasons for the Giants is uh, is Nate Solder. Um, you know, he's 32 now. He's, you know, which isn't necessarily old for an offensive lineman, but he, he you know, but he's been in the league eight, nine years coming off of a, of a rough season for him. Um, just your thoughts on on Nate Solder and and you know what kind of a player you think he still is or still can be uh that that was a tough fit to be honest with you and let me share a perspective uh that probably you've never heard before and your listeners have not heard before on why Nate is struggling right in New England their drop back pass the quarterback is so shallow in the pocket Brady and the ball gets out so quickly that all their passes, basically, they just run their guy around. They just kind of set and turn and run their guy around. And by the time that happens, the ball's gone. Well, every other team in the league virtually takes longer in their protection. The quarterback sets deeper. The routes are farther down the field. Certainly, that was true with the New York Giants with Shermer right? and Jones. But so the point is, here he is running guys around quickly that he's done his entire career and not using what you would consider traditional drop back pass protection techniques where you would take an angle and set square and firm and block the guy, right? So this was a whole new world to him, right? And it was a bad fit. He, he was kind of trained in a particular system in New England where he could do that. And then Virtually, if he went to any other team, he would have an adjustment period. And he had that adjustment period last year. 
Yeah, I, I actually wondered about that. I wondered about going from, you know, from one team to another, just about depth of drop and, and, you know, where the quarterback might be. I would assume that, that after so long with Tom Brady, you, you get used to exactly where he's going to be, you know, on a drop back. And, and I suppose every quarterback's a little bit different. Yeah, in New England, they want the guards to be aggressive and the tackles to turn the guys around, right? And if they were to do like a TE twist in New England, the ball's out before the end guy loops around, you know? Well, every other offense in the league, they do a TE twist. If that guard and tackle don't pick, don't pass it off, the guy's going to hit the quarterback, mm-hmm. right? So you saw a lot of that. Right. You know, you saw him not really setting in conjunction with uh, Hernandez and, um, and it's because of an experiencing. Hopefully he's uh, uh, gone through it now and uh, he's made the adjustment. You think that, uh, you know, you, you think that there's still that there's still talent there, that there's still ability when you look at when you look at Solder? Uh, we'll have to find out. Obviously, you still see quickness, um, but he gets his body turned. So he doesn't look strong. You know, you would say he doesn't look strong. Well, he's got his body turned all the time. You know, and mm-hmm. the quarterback's holding the ball, and he's getting knocked back into the quarterback. Right. Well, when he gets squared up, he'll be stronger. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to see. Is it technique or is it physical? Right. Okay. Um, I'm also curious, you know, and we're kind of going we're kind of going player by player. I, I'm really curious what your thoughts are on Andrew Thomas, the kid the Giants drafted uh, number four overall. Yeah, I trained him in the offseason this year, getting ready for the draft. Um, So I know him very well. And I say that to kind of uh, uh, put that out there in advance so that people don't think I'm promoting the guy that I worked with. All right. I thought he was the best of the group. I thought uh, going into the draft early, he was the first of the four tackles. Right. And then as it went on, well, oh, geez, Becton's huge, you know. Uh, oh, Worf has jumped better than any other guy, you know. Oh, Wills is really athletic and quick. But I think at the end of the t- at the end of the day, he got picked first for this reason. One, he obviously has great physical ability, but he had the highest grade of any offensive tackle getting ready for the draft, according to Pro Football Focus. Highest grade meaning he blocked his guy the most number of times, percentage-wise, right? Highest statistical blocking grade in the best football conference in America, right? And he's got the physical ability. So why wouldn't you take him first? And uh, I think the Giants did the right thing. And that one to me was kind of silly. It was almost like the... Uh, the Peyton Manning, Ryan Leaf discussion when Peyton Manning came out. He was for a long time the first guy, and then all of a sudden when it got closer to the draft, oh, Ryan Leaf, he should be the first guy taken. I remember in our draft meetings, our owner, someone bringing up Ryan Leaf, and and he said, if I hear Ryan Leaf over Peyton Manning one more time, I'll scream. You know, (laughs) well, I think that kind of happens, you know. You get the guy out in front. Now, we know Lawrence is the best guy next year, the quarterback at Clemson, right? Right. We know he's the best guy, right? Right. And then when it gets close, believe me, they'll be picking at him, you know, and they'll say, right. oh, he's not and, so good. And but you're going to hear, you're gonna hear, you're gonna hear, oh, Trey Lance, or you're going to hear this guy, or you're going to hear that guy. Cause I, Penny I, or Walker Little or whatever. Right. 
yeah, I think, you know, it, I mean, the, the impression tends to be that, that guys start to get picked at, they start to get, you know, everybody starts to look for something wrong. And I did think it was funny because at the beginning of the process of what you would call the draft process, Andrew Thomas was the number one guy. And I think everybody kind of took their turn as the, you know, as at least in the media perspective as the number one guy. Well, that's what happens. You know, he's the first guy. And then all the media guys start like yourself, you know, start talking about this guy or that guy or the other guy. And they all start building up. But guess what? You guys don't pick them. Right. (laughs) Right. The the coaches and general manager and scouts, they pick the guy, you know, it turns out that. Almost all the time, after 30 years of doing it, the guy that starts out strongest, more times when he's a clear favorite, more times than not, when it's all said and done, he's the guy that gets picked first. All right. So, so let's so so let's talk about Andrew a little bit more. You know, you said you worked with him. You know, some you know leading up to the draft. What what did you see? I mean, how would you describe him? Well, he's a very athletic guy. He's like a power forward almost in basketball, right? He's a a slick, elite athlete uh, who's also strong. His arms are 36 and an eighth inch long, which is ungodly long. Might be the the longest arms in the league, right? And strong hands, solid. What I liked most about him is when I worked with him, I said, no, Andrew, try it like this, right? Boom, he immediately did it. Mm-hmm. So it tells me not only did he have physical ability, but he can he's a natural football player with natural instincts. And uh, he, and uh, you put all that together, and uh, he's going to be a terrific player now. There's no question about it. And, uh, you know, I everybody... Think he starts oh, off on the right. Is that what you hear? Pardon me? I think he probably starts off at right tackle. Is that what you well, hear? Well, I was... I, I was going to ask you, um, you know, he just what both. you would he prefer for right him. As a sophomore. He played right as a sophomore, so he's played both, and he can play right. Nate Solder has never played on the right, right? So keep Solder there. Keep Thomas. Go back. Let him play right tackle is what I would guess they're thinking, right? And then Matt Pert, who played right tackle at Connecticut, you give him a year you know, to get his feet wet and learn because he needs some developmental time. But I like Matt Pert. And then the second year, you move Thomas over, you move Solder out, and you put Bird in there at right tackle, and you got a good situation. That's that's kind of, of the, the long-range plan, you know, that I see. I kind of – I've seen a couple of videos of Andrew working out, and it almost looks like he's prepping on the right side. He gotcha. sounds like he's talking about, you know – when, when the interviews that he's done, he, he talks about the right. You have no concerns about him, you know, at least starting out on the right, do you? No, he played there once. And and I, I get people who say, well, if he's going to be a left tackle, just put him over there. And I think guys like Teron Smith, Jason Peters, Laramie Tunsil's another one. These guys are really good left tackles now in the league who didn't start playing left tackle. You know, from your perspective, you know, that doesn't hinder his development at all, does it? No, no. It, it To me, it would hinder it if he never played right tackle. Right. Because then he'd be just learning Lost. something that he really doesn't need to learn. But he's played right tackle, so he can take the skills and what he already knows 
and just learn the league, which is the hardest thing, just learning the league. Right. And uh, focus on that and then move over when the time's right. Right. Since, since you mentioned him, um, just, you know, a couple of quick thoughts on Matt Pert. Matt Pert, I was impressed with him down the senior bowl. Um, I talked with uh, uh, the coach there. Uh, uh, oh, gee, why can't I remember the coach of Connecticut's name? He's uh, Randy Etzel. There you go, Randy Etzel, terrific coach. And uh, uh, Randy loves him. He says he's a hard worker. He's smart. Uh, what I like is whoever coached him at Connecticut, and I don't know who their offensive line coach was, but whoever coached him really taught him some elite techniques. He has a very mature level of setting for angles and the proper timing with his feet and the proper hand usage. Very few guys coming out of college know how to respond properly with their hands. And uh, I saw that at the Senior Bowl, and I was quite impressed. I think he needs to get a little more meat on his bones, right, which a good weight program will do for him, which is a, he'll need that year of development. And uh, and then I think he'll be ready to go in there and be a good solid right tackle. You know, the only other obvious starter for the Giants that we really haven't talked about is, is Will Hernandez. And – you know, second round pick two years ago, had a pretty good rookie season. I think some people were a little bit disappointed with his progress as a second year player. Uh, I think, you know, he struggled, especially in run blocking a year ago. I mean, if you look at the pro football focus grades and and I know those grades aren't the, the be all and end all. But just I'm, I'm curious again, you know, what do you see? with Will Hernandez and what kind of player do you think he can be? Well, he's still a young player and he's from UTEP, uh, you know, a smaller level of play. Uh, he did play for uh, uh, his head coach was an NFL line coach. So he did have some good coaching in college, but he's still got a ways to go. He was on uh, uh, his second offensive line coach last year at the Giants. He'll now be on his third, you know, and, uh, so there's, there's a little bit of development and learning for him to do. Uh, the only knock I had on him, he's a little short. He's 6'2". There are some 6'2 guards in the league, not many starters, all right? Um, but so he was a little short, but he's big and tough and a little stiff, not a great athlete, change of direction, all that kind of stuff. And he's a type of guy similar to Zeitler in that he was really tough and competitive who need to learn, needed to learn how to relax a little bit so that he could let his athleticism come out. You know, I see him play and to me, he looks tight as a player. Mm -hmm. So I think he needs to learn how to relax so that he can play with quickness, athleticism and force. And in he's words, only in his third year. I think he's going to be fine. In other words, just play a little bit, not, you know, just kind of let it go a little bit. Uh, yeah, but there, there's it's a little bit uh, that's kind of a blanket statement. But what I'm saying is that instead of striking force with tension, striking force with relaxation mm -hmm. and he just needs to learn how to create force mm -hmm. right now. He muscles guys. Mm -hmm. And their their muscler mentality uh, is is good, right. but musclers need to learn how to coordinate and engage athleticism. 
Okay. Is what he needs to yeah. Do. Okay. So the other thing with the Giants that's that's an issue that everybody worries about is the center position. And now the center position for the Giants is as we get closer to what we hope will be training camp is sort of in flux. Um, the guy that was the starter last year, John Halapio, had a you know week 17 Achilles tendon tear. Um, he's not even on the roster right now. He's he's an unsigned free agent. The only experienced center they have on the roster is Spencer Pulley. They have a couple of guys. Uh, Nick Gates is one who's a, a conversion pro, you know, project to center. Shane Lemieux, who they drafted in the fifth round, is another guy they've talked about training at center. And the, the question really is, there was no spring. You know, because of COVID-19, there's no spring. We don't know what the training camp and preseason is going to look like yet. As If you're an offensive line coach, are you concerned about trying to put a young player in the center position who's never played it before, you know, w with this little preparation time? Well, there's going to be a hole no matter what, because the, like you say, the, the legitimate NFL center is not on the club. He's not on the roster. Right. Um, Zyler can't play center, you know, right. Hernandez can't play center. Right. Uh, Lemu, in my mind, who I think was an unbelievably great pick in the fifth round, is a guard. He's not a center, right? He's kind of cumbersome, mauler, not quick and agile like you would expect a center to be. I would pick, I would try to pick up a veteran, There's, you know, if it were me, or I would pick the smartest guy I could. Because in that group with Zeitler, Hernandez, Rookie, Thomas, you need the guy who can run the show and be the smartest. And you got to adjust your schemes a little bit to account for some physical mismatches. Right. But don't put the guy in there with the greatest promise who's not real smart because then you have a potential disaster situation. Right. The only, the only guy they have on the roster who's played the position is Spencer Pulley and – and well, he's the guy then. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I don't know the other guys well enough to. I, I, I keep trying to, uh, I keep trying to tell people that, uh, that it, it's, it's kind of his job to lose whether they don't want it, whether they want to hear that or not, because he's the only one. Yeah. No. So, but yeah, I don't know. I'm, it's I know. Not just, it's not over yet. It's not over yet. If I, uh, there, there are players every year that are center only guys and it's very hard to make the roster if you're not a center if you're a center only guy unless you're the starter well there are some teams that have two centers and the ones a center only and right. there are going to be some cut here you right know? And, uh, yeah. so i don't think they're done yet right but but it but again, your perspective would be that it would be very, very difficult for a Nick Gates or a Shane Lemieux or somebody like that in this circumstance to step in and and play that role adequately. I don't know Nick Gates well. I do know Lemieux, and I don't think he has the physical traits of a center. Okay. Okay. And I did need to ask you, um, I know that, that in Dallas for a brief period of time, you worked with, with Mark Colombo, who's now the Giants offensive line coach. 
I'm just curious for, for, you know, he's new to the Giants. We don't know him at all. We haven't had a chance to talk to him or see him work at all. Just your thoughts on, on Mark, what kind of coach he is, and, and the kind of job you would expect him to do here in New York. Uh, I think he's an intense guy, demanding guy. Um, he's going to expect them to do it a certain way at a certain effort level. And um, I think that's probably his strength as a coach. And um, I think uh, I think he'll do fine. Okay. And and you did say, you know, when we first started talking, you said you thought this was pretty much, you know, probably on paper, the the best group that the Giants had had put together in in, in quite a while. I do. Yeah. I I think uh, I don't think they'll start out opening day that way, but I think they'll get better every game as they play together because mm-hmm. playing together is important. And uh, you know, and by next year, when Thomas is on the left and Pert's in their right and they got a center, mm-hmm. they'll have one better lines in the league, I think. Nice. Nice. It'll be a long time. Uh, it's been a long time since the Giants have, have had uh, one of the better lines in the league. Yeah, they uh, they went through decades where when they drafted certain guys, I would just, like, shake my head in the draft room like, hmm. are you kidding me? They uh, they really kind of didn't draft guys who, and Gettleman now has a better idea, but they didn't, over the time when we picked all those guys that really didn't pan out, mm-hmm. they drafted guys who had more athletic traits mm-hmm. um, than offensive line traits. Mm-hmm. And those two things are very different. Mm-hmm. I mean, watching a guy run around through cones, if he's a defensive player, you might say, oh, he's a really good athlete. But if you watch an offensive lineman run around the cones in that same drill, you would say, okay, I see him running around cones. I have no idea what that has to do with blocking. Right. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, my opinion of the Giants draft over decades was they went for this, um, oh, uh, unidentifiable athletic trait rather than strength, power, balance, flexibility, explosion, mm-hmm. recovery, which are the traits for offensive line. Right. And, and you think, I, I think that that has been uh, Dave Gettleman's reputation is that, you know, I know he loves what he calls the hog mollies, but, you know, his reputation has been that he can do a, that he does a good job identifying those guys and, and and you like what he's done with with the guys he's brought in then i do i like the group yeah okay hey i really appreciate your spending some time with me paul just uh before i let you go why don't you uh tell the folks where they can where they can find your work where they can find you on twitter all that good stuff okay so i retired uh i'm uh, still a young guy but i am basically consulting around the world. I've been to uh, Germany twice. I've been to London. I've been to Scotland. I've been to Australia. Uh, I've been to 50 different colleges around the country. Um, I spend my life working with players and coaches and doing it, absolutely loving it. And I've gained my following through Twitter. I've been, I got a lot of followers and I tweet on offensive line play. And uh, you can follow me at Coach Paul Alex on Twitter. And then from there, I've got a Patreon following, which is 
a group of people who love offensive line play where I can give them more detailed clinics and uh, uh, articles and descriptions and so forth, uh, uh, I do that. So I'm loving what I'm doing, and uh, I, uh, I loved coaching, don't get me wrong. I've had the opportunity to go back, which I'm not. Um, I'm just really trying to spread the game that I love as much as I can. Good. Good. And, you know, maybe we'll touch base again if uh, if and when we actually get to see uh, especially Andrew Thomas play a little bit. Uh, you well, know, maybe we'll we'll reach back out and uh, and talk about that a little bit. Great. All right. OK. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. OK. Have a great week. Take care. All right, Giants fans. That's our show for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please uh, stay safe out there, take care, wear your mask, wash your hands, do everything you can to, uh, to stay healthy. All right, bye-bye now.